We are digging for wisdom, and it is show number four, and we are in week number three. And I got my man Diggsy, and Diggs, we had a lot of craziness go on in week two, uh, especially the games that we were at, uh, as far as having cameras at. It was an exciting week two, but it shuffled the deck a lot, and it's. I'm interested to see what you think, or where you think people or teams will go. Now we're heading into week three, and and one of the games that we're going to be talking about, I'm really interested in seeing what you think where, where you think Trinity's going to head up in the next couple of weeks here. Um, Trinity was one of the games you went to. You went to it on Thursday against Heath, and they did not show out. They did not show out. They did not show up, and they and they ended up with a thirty point loss. And I don't even remember the last time Trinity gave up sixty eight points. Heck, it I was never. By the never. way, is it a never? Trinity Football Network confirmed that for us on Twitter. Uh, the answer was never. Their previous worst uh, outcome was 61 to DeSoto about eight, 10 years ago. I don't know if you remember that, that good DeSoto team and, you know, 2009 or 10 uh, lit up uh, DeSoto, beat them both times that year. They got them in the preseason and they got them in the playoffs. Uh, the last game was a little bit uh, more competitive because that's how Trinity rolls. They get a little bit better throughout the season. But, Lord, that was ugly. And and we were coming into it. Uh, I got a little intel before the game that the quarterback for, uh, for Rockwall Heath had basically left the team that week, like a couple of days. So I thought that was going to be the storyline. But, you know, we're journalists. We were asked to kind of keep that on the down low. So, you know, I kind of went into it wondering, well, what, what's going to happen? I hear some something's happening with the quarterback situation over here at Heath. And, and we got to be introduced to Caleb Hoover. Uh, and, and it wasn't all, you know, and, and you're going to get 100 different stories. And, and I like the one that's the most positive. And the one that was the most positive was that the quarterback for Heath wanted to focus on baseball. Uh, Heath is, you know, as you know, covering all the sports. I'm just the football guy. Heath is almost always in it uh, coming to the state finals. It's Rockwall versus Rockwall Heath, usually for region two. Uh, so he just wanted to focus on baseball, uh, especially if he was only going to be the, the backup. I accept that story. Caleb Hoover, uh, you know, the more things change, the more things stay the same. I hear uh, Braden Locke's little brother was ended up a quarterback over at uh, Rockwall. Now we have Josh Hoover's little brother ending up at quarterback over at Rockwall Heath. And something about that chemistry just completely lit up uh, Rockwall Heath. And they looked like a brand new team. And, and, and sometimes, you know, sometimes less is more. And as we'll talk about uh, in the show, I know one of the games you're going to talk about uh, was Lovejoy Ar Argyle. And that quarterback uh, beast over there, well, when you got a leader and you just got one quarterback, sometimes it works. I, I know that might be crazy talk, uh, but, uh, you know, Rockwell Heath looked fantastic. And at the same time, Trinity just looked completely disheveled. They 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 were running two quarterbacks out there. Uh, both were sophomores. Uh, you know, both had different strengths, and both looked like they could be eventually starters on a varsity team. But they just didn't look like the kind of players that Trinity is used to. You would think of Trinity as starting a sophomore. You know, it, it's going to be the next big thing, a three-year starter. But I think this is more of a of an element that you know they don't really have a good player there. And and uh, Maddox, they're using him more as a wide receiver out of the backfield and that was one of their best options uh but the offensive line just did not look there the discipline they didn't have that trinity edge usually when trinity starts to play a football game they're up seven nothing before it even starts even the tippy sow or the 
sippy towel or whatever they call it. It looked out of sync. You know, at the end of the game, I was like, this is not the Trinity I'm expecting. And I don't know. I don't know what the variables are with that, but I know most of the Trinity fans agree. It's not like this is me speaking badly of the team and they're like, oh, Diggs, you didn't see what we saw. They, It's pretty much a universal thought that this is not the best Trinity team. And, and it's a little bit because of talent. It's a little bit because of discipline. Uh, you know, And when you get a new coach in there, it takes a little while to uh, massage the system and, and rebrand re it in your image and in your name. So we always kind of drop a team down. What, what we're seeing with Lancaster, I'm, I'm just already pivoting to all these storylines. Second-year coach, you're starting to see a little bit of movement in Lancaster. Uh, and I, I think it's going to take – Trinity's going to have to go th through some growing pains. But, you know, we can say the same thing for Heath. Heath has a, a brand-new coach over there as well, Coach Harrell. Uh, late kind of a decision over there for uh, Spradlin to retire, and he's just – He's just living it up on Twitter. I don't know if you saw him tweeting on Thursday night. He was just having a good old time. It's like he got the backpack of coach speak taken off, and he was just, okay, I'm, let, let, let me tell you what I think here. Maybe drinking a little whiskey or, or some apple juice or something out there in West Texas, just watching Twitter and loving it. Uh, but uh, Heath against Trinity, oh, man. Uh, welcome back to the island of relevancy, Heath, because uh, we were a little bit worried about you after Denton Geyer took care of you. But then again, what Denton Geyer is doing is pretty impressive, too. I think I just covered eight things in one question. Ward, so please talk and, and, and put some structure back in this show. You, you did. You did. You touched a lot of things. And you especially touched on Geyer, which Geyer has proven there are like they could be two or three steps. You talk, You used to talk about tiers in the campfire. They may be two or three tiers ahead of a lot of teams in all of Class A Division Two. I mean, they're going to end up being Division Two as far as DFW goes. They're they're proven that you know Jackson Arnold having three years experience. If I if you count, you know, half a year or that half a game, and as a freshman, a little bit there as a sophomore, that he's really taken his game to a new level and. If you want to get back on Trinity, man, sometimes I think momentum is is a real thing. Sometimes I don't. This is one of these deals where I think it's a real thing because they're they're winding up with Marcus here uh, this week. They're coming up here. Zero uh, and two. Both teams are zero and two. I didn't see as much of the South Lake games as I wanted to. Once they jumped on top, once Carroll jumped on top, I think it kind of took the sale out of Marcus there. But that is an interesting game because. I'm not going to say they're going to lose a game in three six a, but their first two games are Boswell North Crowley. So if those two, if those are the teams that are going to be second and third, which we kind of, kind of agree with on that, then you've got five straight games where I mean you could come out one and four, you come out two and three before we hit the break, and then you'll you'll probably run the last five. But what do you think about this whole momentum thing? And you were talking about they're not even getting straight on their on their sippy tie at the end of games or beginning of games. What's it going to take to to pull off two, maybe three wins here in the next three? Yeah, I think it's a great point you mentioned about Trinity and their schedule. I know we kind of alluded to that with Cedar Hill, how Cedar Hill had this really tough schedule. Then they get into district, and then they start with Waxahachie right off the front. And are they going to be ready for Waxahachie based on the momentum of the four games that we kind of expected to be losses, which two of them are, and uh, they'll definitely be an underdog to South Lake Carroll this week. Uh, so, like, where is that momentum? And, and now you've got a team like Boswell who's just coming off a big win over Lake Ridge. Uh, you know, North Crowley, we'll see how North Crowley does against Lovejoy this week. And again, Lovejoy's got its own mess over there. Uh, but North Crowley is just looking 
looking the part so far. And in fact, you got five teams in that district that are uh, two and zero right now. And even even our friends, the Blue Raiders of LD Bell, you know, if people are kind of joking about, is this going to be the year that LD Bell finally ends that long streak? You probably know about was it ninety or something, thirty, thirty to five years of that. It's been a lot of L's. It's been a lot of L's. That's for yeah, sure. the, the 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 sign, you know, is LD yeah. Bell with with all the L's. It's LD Bell without you know, twenty twenty one L's or something like that is where it was saying it a couple of years ago. But boy, they put something on that uh, Irving MacArthur team, and that's that way they've got one hundred and ten points here in the first two games. I mean, what's going on over there in Hearst? Yeah, they're, they're, I mean, the morning news, we've talked about it. Uh, it's my apology for the morning news picked them to make the playoffs. And I, I got a good hearty laugh out of that. I, and, and I still think, you know, that they're, they're still not quite to that level of North Crowley, Boswell, Weatherford, uh, Trinity. But what would a story would that be if it came down to LD Bell versus Trinity for the last playoff spot? And now, fun. you know, Trinity loses to Boswell, loses to Crowley, maybe some really close games. This is a hypothetical Trinity fans. We are in a hypothetical world here at uh, DFW, the the DFW show when we're digging for wisdom. I cannot imagine what Pennington would look like with that on, you know, with all the momentum as you were talking about with LD Bell and not with Trinity, if it gets to that point, uh, that would be a crazy game. Uh, And I I think at that point, you'd almost have to point to LD Bell as this is just destiny for Bell uh, to take it right then. Uh, I'm worried about Trinity. I don't know. You know, in my rankings that I just released this past week, I put Trinity all the way down to 20. I had North Crowley 22 and Boswell like 24. So, I mean, we talk about tiers. It's really bunched up now. It used to be when we were talking in the campfire low many weeks ago, it was like Trinity one, you know, that we just put them at one. We anointed them. And then we talked about everybody else. Well, it's no longer like that. It is clearly Trinity is with the group now. And that's something I don't think Trinity has been able to say other than that year with Haltum uh, for a while. Right. Exactly. Moving on to other games that we saw. I mean, I, I can talk about the Emerson uh, Woodrow game, but that, that would take a second too. Cause I don't, I don't, I just don't think Woodrow is up, up as far as we thought they were in, in the DISD district because Emerson and, and Wilson, they played a, you know, a defensive struggle the first half and then Emerson hit on some big plays and you just got the feeling that Wilson was never going to hit. Woodrow was never going to hit on a big play. So you, they had to keep that thing around the, uh, you know, 10-7 thing. And once you got up to 22-7, I believe the score was, or 22-9 or something, and it, it was pretty much over from there. But the game uh, I went to uh, second on on Friday, we talked a lot about it last week, was Lovejoy and Argyle. Uh, that was a game for the ages. You kind of warned me to get there early because it might be a runaway for Lovejoy. And I got there and it was 28 to 14. I was like, all right, Diggs may know something, but boy, that was an absolute trap meet. And you notice it was 42, 42 at the half. And then after that, it was 14, seven, because these players were completely gassed at the pace they went. I even begged coach Rogers at halftime. I said, man, could you, could you run one huddle for me? Because I'm getting gassed on the sidelines. Everything was hurry up. Everything was moving fast. He, of course, told me I need to train more, which he's probably right. I do need to train more. But I was like, goodness, I couldn't even walk down three yards before they start up another play again. Um, we talked about the quarterbacks a lot last week, but I don't think that's a problem for Lovejoy. They went with Hagel almost the entire game until uh, he got gassed and they put in uh, Franklin for – two or three plays, and then it went back to Hagel. Um, and he proved why. He threw for over 500 yards, but that's the kind of offense they run. 
their problem was defense on in the trenches, especially on the left side. And that's they must uh, Argyle must run seventy five percent of their plays to that side of the ball, and they were getting eight to ten yards a pop. Uh, I don't know if they triggered something. You know, maybe they they did a little cheat that. Argyle kind of read and they said, okay, we're going to go right side all night. But when you have three guys getting over a hundred yards and most of it going that side of the ball, there is a problem on that side. If they're, if they're tipping their plays, whatever it's happening, they ran that play over and over again. And it worked to 560 yards on the ground. That game was just an incredible offensive display. And, and then Argyle throughout all the offense, they come up with the goal line stand there at the end to pull that thing off. And I was very impressed by coach Rogers and that bunch because they very well on the road could have, uh, you know, dropped their heads being down 28, 14 and, and Kyle Parker catching as many passes as most receivers do in, in their season in one game with 23 catches. They'd be like, I, I, I mean, most teams would be like, I can't keep up with this squad. What's going on. But he got them back together, put them together and they ended up pulling off a big win there and stamping their name down here in 5A. They're not just a 4A team. Hey, we're here to play in 5A as well. Yeah, it's a little bit of a spoiler because, uh, you know, as we'll get down and talking about last week, uh, I, I did put Argyle as my number one team in 5A Division Two, And I really didn't want to. Uh, I'll tell you, I went back and forth on that. Uh, but I was looking at that sock footage, and – sock is not what they were last year and 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 that that's an important point to make uh and i'll even tell you the why and that kind of related to lovejoy the quarterback situation for sock just isn't as good as it was last year and you 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 keep talking about you know you talked to argyle and and lovejoy and and hagel did put up um you know monster fantasy numbers and you're like well you know it wasn't the quarterback issue but when you looked at that lovejoy sock game last year that wasn't a quarterback issue either you know did fantastic uh, in, in putting that. What I think the problem is, and it's more just a, a psychological thing, this is now the second time in six or seven games, can't remember if it's six or seven, uh, that Lovejoy has unexpectedly lost again, you know, Frisco Liberty and now this Argyle game. And that takes nothing away from Frisco and Liberty or Argyle. They were very good teams last year with Luster, this year uh, with everything Argyle has going on. But I think most people would agree if you look at the pickums, you look at the media, you look at the computer polls, Lovejoy was a pretty heavy favorite in that game. So it's not a game that they should have lost. There is something wrong at Lovejoy. And you have to almost break it down at a microchemistry level. And we're not talking about taking H2O and convalent bonds and all that. There's just an overall view of things that things are just not right at Lovejoy. And I, and I think a part of it could be a leadership thing. Part of it could be a coaching thing. Part of it could be a chaos thing. Uh, I know Peyton Pierce didn't play in that game uh, against uh, Argyle. You know, you can just chalk it up to bad luck. But the athletes that Lovejoy put out there, even defensively, given all the chaos you saw, should have been enough to beat uh, Argyle. And they didn't. They got outcoached. They got outplayed. It's just something, some chemistry issue is is wrong is wrong at Lovejoy. And, and one thing I kind of look at is this quarterback thing. You know, I, I gave the metaphor on the dump is, and this takes nothing away and says none none of the I'm not saying any individual coach is bad, any individual quarterback is bad by all means. But let's say Vince Lombardi is deciding uh, he's gonna go to Lovejoy and 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 just you know be a volunteer coach and 
everybody's kind of looking at the room. Who do we listen to? Do we listen to Ross, who's a fantastic coach, one of the best coaches uh, in, the, in the state of Texas, or do we listen to this Vince Lombardi guy who, who might know a little thing about coaching? And then you should kind of have this split field. Maybe some people feel some loyalty to Ross. Maybe some people think, well, you know, uh, you know, Lombardi's the better coach. Maybe we should listen to him. And I think at some level with this with this quarterback thing, you're going to have some players have some loyalty to Hondo who got him there last year, and some people are going to have a little bit of loyalty toward the Hagel, who's clearly the better quarterback this year. And it's not a situation where Hagel is better than uh, you know. I don't think anybody's debating who the better quarterback is, or if there's some sort of political agenda. Uh, I don't think that's the case. But I think there's a little bit of a psychological fracture, and if somebody knows a little bit about something about psychology, it might might be the psychology professor here that just some intangible is not right and I can't place my finger on it as far as contextually why did that right side of that line just get beat up if that was the case but just something is not there that you know needs to be there uh, whether it's at the end of the game the confidence to make that one or two plays because you can boil down football at the end of the day you know it's 42 42 at one point you can boil it down to 10 plays well if Argyle was winning seven or eight of those plays who who are involved in those plays and, and why can't Lovejoy win what are the intangibles that Lovejoy needs to win those plays and, and part of a team is a cohesive unit and you're seeing it all around the area you're seeing it all around the state uh, when you've got a cohesive team, magic happens. You know, that's why when, uh, you know, 10, 15 years ago, when you have South Lake Carroll against the Skyline kind of a team, you've got the, these kind of games where you have a cohesive team and you, you have athletes, you take the cohesive team because there's something to be said about the team as opposed to, you know, all these D1 talented players. I remember playing a West like 11 or 12 D1 players about in like 2009, didn't even make the playoffs. Sometimes it's not about the players on the team. It's about this team unit and the chemistry. And Lovejoy has shown they don't have that right now. And I don't know what the recipe is to get that back. And I hope they do because I'm a big Lovejoy fan. I think we, the world is a little bit, at least my world here in Collin County is better with a, with a winning Lovejoy. But it ain't there right now. And, and I, I wish I could just say, yeah, just do this, do that. Have the linebacker you know, pinch a little bit right and all will be well. I don't think this is an athlete issue. I think this is a, a psychological issue. And I think they're going to have to play psychologists more than they're going to have to play X's and O's to get that locker room back and on the right page. And I, I, I hope the best for them. But uh, what I saw on, on the on the film and what I saw from those highlights, there's very much like with Trinity, something is off. And it'll be interesting to see if they get it worked out because it's at least early this time, because with Liberty last year, it happened late. Right. Now they got nine, eight, eight games to get it, get it fixed. But last year it happened in week 10, kind of a bad time for that to happen. That's what's going to bring up. It's still early. Maybe they have time for a players only meeting type deal before district play starts or, or whatever needs to be happy and get that happen to get that thing click clicking. Uh, before we move on to this week and I, you know, we'll, talk about your Plano East game in a bit. I just want to make sure we, we touched base on that Aubrey Anna game from last, uh, last Friday. We kind of went out there at the last second to get to that game. Thanks to a recommendation from my man, Diggsy. And that game was fantastic. The atmosphere is fantastic. What do you call that game for on the TV? We I call think it country roads. It's our country roads game of the game of the week. This week, country roads. something or another. Yeah. Uh, Zimmerman, Zimmerman. There's two ERs there. Zimmer or Kubota. Country Roads Game of the Week, that's our sponsor for that. So I appreciate you letting us get that in there. But 
incredible atmosphere. And I want, I want to hear your opinion. You saw the highlights, I'm sure, and you saw or heard how the end of that game went. You know, they're uh, Aubrey's up by a point, and they're driving. They're inside the 10. They figure they're going to let that clock run out by not scoring, by constantly going, either taking a knee the first play they ran and went down at the two. And then they took a couple of knees, and they left them with eight seconds from their own I believe he's inside the 10 and then that play hits. And all of a sudden, you you know, the hook and ladder play, if you guys didn't see the highlights, hook and ladder play on the last play of the game was 85 something yards to win it as time ran out. Uh, my question to you is that, is that something, if you put your coach's hat on, is that something you would have done? Would you went for the touchdown and just assume that you might be able to stop them on a two point conversion? Uh, they would probably have had a little over a minute to drive the whole field, score a touchdown, and get the two-point? Or would you have played the same way Coach of Aubrey did it and, and took a knee? I, I love these whole ideas of time management conundrums and whatnot. And the fact that they left it with eight seconds lets me feel like there's a little bit of an execution issue. I mean, I, I think somehow you could have burned eight seconds in three plays. I mean, whether it's taking a knee or running some wide sweeps or something, then you're like, well, what if you get it fumbled or what? I mean, these are the kinds of things you got to work on and have confidence on how you can burn this time. Sometimes a, uh, a, uh, you know, a, a false start, a convenient false start can, can kill a few seconds here and there uh, with that. Uh, I probably would have done something similar to, you know, just if the, if the goals are uh, 85 yards and six to eight seconds, yeah, I, I like my chances there. Uh, and you, and you know, the hook and lateral is one of those plays that are out there. And again, I would think that you, you plan against the chaos and that's kind of the things you end on a, on a, on a random Thursday, you know, like let's all, let's run some crazy plays before uh, we kind of hang it up and, and rest and, so I, I'm a little surprised that that happened, but, you know, it's high school, it's magic, and it, it made for great TV. I watched those highlights, and uh, our guys were there, and we had some great footage of that. Uh, uh, but Anna, Anna's really a tough luck team this year because uh, if you look at that division, they're, they're, that district they're in, they, they have a pretty good chance to win the district, but once they start uh, playing playoff games, they got to look at Stephenville and, and China Spring and Waco La Vega in the second round, and it's not a very favorable matchup for them once they get to that so they get split up from the melissas and the argyles of the world and they might get some early success but long-term success i don't really like their chances in 4a division one and they there's a lot of growth out there you talked about those country roads those country roads are becoming six lanes out there in anna uh, so it's not going to be too long before anna and sherman are are going to be 6a so it's it's fun for anna right now uh, they got that good quarterback, Evan Bullock, over there, uh, who's doing good things for Anna, just putting up, you know, video game numbers. Uh, and I really like their, you know, chances. Anna very well can go 10-0. Uh, I haven't looked at their non-district. I don't have it memorized. But at least seeing they get they Van Alstein this week and their five district games, uh, those are all winnable. So Anna has a really good chance to to, to do good things. And I'm glad we, we got this new country road segment where we can talk a little small school football every week. Uh, I would have, but to answer your question, I would have done similar similarly, but I would have known and I would have plotted out that I knew that I could get those eight seconds off the clock uh, before I would have given them any chance to touch the ball. And if not, I probably would have played it a different way if the time just was, you know, I would have just tried to get a first down at that point instead of taking the knee. Gotcha. And how about this? We got two uh, two weeks of high school football, and we've seen two hook and lateral plays to to win the games. Cody Wyatt doing it in in week one. So 
Who's I'm challenging the coach out there to do it in week three to win it. Who's going to be that guy? Step up. All right, let's move on to this week's play, uh, this week's games. And we're going to start in three, six A's. We always do. And surprise, surprise, we're back with uh, Lovejoy as they travel all the way to North Crowley. I wonder how that game even got scheduled. I guess Chris Ross may have made some friends down there when he was uh, at Red Oak. But they're playing a 6A team. Is this a good way for them to bounce back? Or it's North Crowley, who's now 2-0 and and got some significant wins. They beat Arlington. So it's it, is it t- their time to give them a, a bit of the business as well? Yeah, well, this is at that new, beautiful North Crowley ISD all-purpose stadium, a, a Thursday night game. And when you look at this, this is, you know, this is the kind of game that Lovejoy has made more competitive than it needs to be over the last seven games. You know, it, it is so hard to pick against Lovejoy right now, and North Crowley is still growing up as a team. For North Crowley, and, you know, they won state in 2003, 2004, and kind of an improbable uh, run where the Texas high quarterback, Chris Mallett, got pulled off the bus for uh, a, a legal issue right before the game, and then North Crowley was able to win that and catapult that to a state championship. But in this past 10 to 12 years, North Crowley has really not had a signature win. And I think if North Crowley could beat Lovejoy, this would be their biggest win since they came up to be a 6A program. Other than beating Trinity, you know, which they haven't done yet, this would be their opportunity. Even though it's a 5AD2 game, it would still probably be by far their biggest game. So North Crowley, they don't really have anything to lose. Uh, Lovejoy has everything to lose and all of that pressure that we were talking about that they got to figure this thing out. I like Lovejoy uh, and, and I think Lovejoy, but, Lovejoy's going to have to win this game in a gritty kind of a way where it's like a 42 to 35 kind of a win. And Lovejoy hasn't really shown me that ability to win those close games uh, consistently. I'm going to keep picking them because I, I think Lovejoy, you know, if I just looked at the athletes straight up, Lovejoy's got a better team. Uh, but again, that, this is like huge upset watch flashing because this is the formula, the kind of team that Lovejoy struggles with. And North Crowley needs this win, and I think they're going to be hungry for it. I'm not going to pull the upset uh, pick, but I will throw the upset alert on you. All right. We'll take an alert from you. We talked a little bit about – or we talked a lot about Trinity, but let's talk a little bit about Marcus because that, that game is going to be up here. They played a couple of tough games and start the season off with Highland Park, and they weren't very competitive against South Lake Carroll, but now they have Trinity coming in here that's reeling. What do you think about this game? Yeah, this is a great game for both teams because this is the kind of game – uh, that both these teams really need. And and I'll be curious. I'm going to throw this back to you now. Uh, what do you think of the home field advantage? Would would, would your game pick up, be different if this game was at Euless versus at uh, Marcus? I know you talked about the, the Marcus home field advantage, but that was with Southlake. It was clearly a better team. But a 50-50 game, do you think it has a difference? I think it does have a difference. I think they packed that side of the crowd and, and the – for cameraman purposes, the lighting there is a little bit darker than usual. Maybe it's maybe that I don't know how that plays into advantage of uh, of the teams on the field. That's just a little cameraman issue there. But I I do think and they're and they're reeling for something too. We talked to Ashton Cozart when he's on when he was in the uh, in for his bobblehead this week, and he talked about yes, they schedule these games because they want to strengthen themselves up for the playoffs because of what happened the last couple of years, but. It's not like they schedule them to go in here and get beat all three games. That they they want pick up one of these wins. They came fairly close against uh, Highland Park. Uh, did not compete against Southlake, but I think this this game could be in their favor. And I would, if I was a betting man, which I'm not, I'd probably pick Marcus by by about six. 
Yeah, I, I, I definitely think they're home field advantage. I'm gonna, I'm gonna one up you. I'm not a betting man or a line, lines maker man. We, we do not advocate the betting on high school football. We just create lines for educational purposes. And I just want, almost want to go off on that for a second. When I create lines, it, it's more to show what I, I perceive the gap between the two teams is. Right. It's not a number of, you know, a gambling number. It's just, you know, so if I pick a team by 35, I'm pretty confident that team's going to win that game. If I pick a team by two, it, it's like a 55-45 for me kind of a thing. Uh, but to this end, I think Trinity is probably a two-touchdown underdog straight up. And at Marcus, it could get ugly. You know, it's one of those things that it could get away from them real early. Marcus needs some sort of momentum, uh, and, and they've been itching for it. And, and they haven't played that complete game quite yet. Uh, they looked good for three quarters against uh, against Highland Park. They looked good for about a quarter. You know, I, I thought it was like, okay, Car Carol and Marcus, here we go. And then, you know, just the, their defense shut them down. They couldn't get anything going, uh, kept a lot of self-inflicted wounds. I think if uh, Marcus gets out and gets on them, they could beat them very much like Heath did. I don't think they're going to get 68 on them, uh, but I think it's going to be a momentum thing. Uh, but again, if you kind of, if it looks like the Prosper game, I still like Trinity. I still like uh, Marcus to win, uh, but I think Marcus for their momentum purposes really needs to thump them. And I think this is the best chance to, uh, before the bye week and before district starts for them, I think this is a really good launching pad. So I expect uh, the Marcus Marauders to be roaring back, and I think there's going to be a lot of head scratching in Trinity at 0-3, looking at those two first district games like you talked about. Very, very worried. That's true, and this, that is true. A lot of a lot of districts are going into their break before they start district play. I know those non-team districts aren't, but this is their last chance to get a nice little taste of, of what it might be like in the playoffs against some of these non-district teams before they hit the games that really count. Um, one of those games is Fossil Ridge against Arlington. Fossil Ridge, they went up there to uh, that new stadium up there in Braswell, and they thought they were going to do something, and they didn't do much. And Braswell took them down. But they, they're playing an Arlington team that's one and one, and they have had two super close games. They're both within three points, win and loss. So how do you feel about this matchup? Yeah, Fossil Ridge has been really hard to to assess. You know, they they felt good coming out of that first week, but I mean, if you remember that when we taped our six six eight campfire, I know you're kind of like laughing under your breath when I picked Flower Mound to to be last place in this district, uh, and you know, all of a sudden, you know, they they beat them. Fossil Ridge beat them, but what did that game really mean at the end of the day? You know, I looked at the Fossil Ridge, or I looked at the the Lake Highlands and Flower Mound game in week two, and four turnovers from from Flower Mound, just no running game, no passing game. Uh, so that Fossil Ridge win really didn't tell me much. Uh, but Braswell just beating the brakes off of them really didn't tell me much either. Arlington has learned how to win. They've learned how to play close. Uh, playing North Crowley as well as they did, playing Mesquite the way they did. Uh, I think Arlington is going to win a close game because they know how to win those games. Uh, and, and I think they're going to use that as a another momentum building process. I think Arlington is going to win a, a one-score game. And I think uh, uh, they're going to continue on. I think uh, Arlington's a playoff team in their district. Fossil Ridge, I think uh, they're going to have to win a couple of games that they might not be expected to to get up to that fourth spot in District 4-6A. And we talked about uh, home field advantages, and, and Keller ISD Stadium is one that is not a home field advantage in my eyes. It, it, I guess it depends on what team's playing there, but 
Certainly not with Fossil Ridge, I don't think so. For Keller, it is, I think. You know, yeah, because that's right on the campus. Yeah. You got the blue yeah. lights. It's Keller Stadium, basically. Right. And it worked out for them against South like last year for the first half there. They came right over from school and it was freaking a, a raucous atmosphere. And they were up there for a, up for a little while before they ended up losing that game. But let's move on to Denton Geyer in, in Lancaster. Uh, Lancaster coming off that huge win over Sock that we talked about where they. They really, you know, shut him down defensively, but uh, shutting down Sock with hardly any quarterback there with any experience and shutting down Geyer with Jackson Arnold back there is two different things. Yeah, it really is. And I, I talked to a couple of people. I watched some footage on this, and I felt like at my conclusion at the end of it and, and, and some of the people I talked to was not that Lancaster has been underrated. It's that South Oak Cliff is a little bit overrated. And it hurts to say that, especially given that they're the reigning and defending state champions and, and all this buzz coming back. We we talked about all these players that they've got, you know, coming back just D1 talent after D1 talent. But again, there's just a chemistry issue. And and last year, that quarterback was such a unifying force. I, I saw so many people talking about how he was the heartbeat and the leader of that team and everybody rallied around him. And that's why I kind of get to this whole psychological thing of having a leader, a focus. And when that leader is your quarterback, it just makes things go a little bit more. It's not to say a linebacker can't be a leader or a left tackle can't be a leader, but when you've got a, you, you've got leadership in that quarterback, I think it just makes a special team. And to win 16 games, in, in, you granted you don't have to win all of your games in non-district, but to win those six games, one of the bigger tournaments, you know, in college football, you just got to get there and just win one or two games, uh, you know, and maybe three or four now with the, with the tournament expansion. Uh, but in high school, it's six. And it, it's hard to get six, you know, win six quality games. But the way South Oak Cliff did it, it was just next level. And that intangible is just not there for Sock this year. That isn't to say it won't develop. Uh, so, I mean, I, I'm tapping the brakes a little bit on, ooh, look at Lancaster and how great they were. They played very good. They're showing a, a lot of improvement under their second-year uh, head coach over there. But I think that speaks more to South Oak Cliff than it does to Lancaster, which brings up another question about what is Duncanville. And, and, and Duncanville, since they have a bye week this week, we're not really going to get a chance to know what does it mean for Duncanville until they calibrate? Uh, you know, one of the calibration games we're going to talk about in a little bit is Allen against Martin. And how does Allen calibrate since they play the out of area powerhouse and then uh, a good Houston team? Uh, what does that mean for them in the area? And I think this week is going to answer that for us. Lancaster, I think uh, this is going to tell us a lot about Lancaster's defense. They've only given up three points or whatever it is this year, uh, five points or something crazy like that. Uh, now you got Jackson Arnold. Now you got that Denton Geyer offense, and you've got that the opportunistic Bowen twins or Bowen uh, brothers playing on the defensive side of the ball who can make things crazy things happen. I think Denton Geyer is going to beat them very much like they've been uh, they've they beat uh, Alito and Heath. I think they're going to be up by thirty at halftime and just kind of cruise in the second half. Uh, I think Denton Geyer is a much better team than Lancaster, and I don't see Lancaster being very competitive in this game at all. Yeah, guys, really turned out to be a train that you need to get off the tracks uh, fairly quickly before you get rolled over. So yeah, I agree with you on that one, Gar. All right, let's move on to Prosper Rockwell, which is a game that I will be uh, attending because I'm so interested in it. Last week, I talked to Coach Brooks because I was nervous about Lake Bennett's injury, whether it was a, you know, Achilles or something. And he said he was a game time decision. 
that game time decision was he was not going to play, but it's he may be going here in the Prosper game. But that, either way, they're good with Mason Marshall. Uh, he seems to be running the offense quite well as they as they took care of Jesuit. Uh, they're shutting him out. I think they had forty two points by halftime. And and then you you look on the other side. You got uh, you got Prosper who. Man, I gave you the business at the beginning of the year when you ranked no nine six six eight teams in the top twenty five. I'm not sure if there's a nine six eight team in top thirty, maybe top thirty five. They are really struggling to start this year off, and especially the team that we both thought was going to win the district have been getting got pounded. Uh, Capel got them, put up a ton of points, and now Prosper put up a ton of points. But let's talk more about the Prosper Rockwell game. We'll get back to nine six eight in a second. Yeah, this, this game is going to be a tough game for me to pick because uh, if you look at my rankings, Prosper should be a little bit of a favorite. Uh, pro- they get them at home, so, you know, things are uh, looking good as far as, as that goes. You know, they're not having to play at uh, Wilkerson standards and, and deal with that kind of a chaos uh, scene. Uh, and it, it's very good good matchup good styles here but the one thing i just think of is we have a little bit of cra- calibration we got prosper uh and trinity and we got trinity and heath and i think rockwall is a step above uh of heath that would probably lean toward a calibration of rockwall winning this game uh but rockwall has played two teams cedar hill and uh, jesuit which you know it's going to be the best team that they've played and rockwall looks really good when they're when they're better than teams but how are they going to play when it's a smash mouth kind of a game against a team like prosper uh, I, I think I'm going to have to take Prosper in this game, and, and it's not something I'm excited about. I, I think intuitively my brain says you should be taking Rockwall, but I need to trust my rankings. My ranking says Prosper over Rockwall. I mean, how dumb would it be if I, like, you know, took Rockwall to be Prosper, but I wouldn't rank them over them? Uh, I can see why Rockwall has a really good chance to beat them. Uh, but Prosper as a team that knows how to win these kind of games, I would I would have felt better about this game if Trinity would have been more respectful and respectable in their game against uh, Heath. But the way that kind of got out of hand, we just don't know how Prosper, you know, how how that was as far as that goes because uh, Prosper, you know, struggled against Trinity. It was a back and forth kind of a game, which kind of highlighted okay maybe Trinity has got something. And then Trinity didn't get better in week two. Maybe Prosper did because they beat uh, Saxe pretty easily, a lot easier than Coppell did. Uh, so I think Prosper is going to win this game. I think it's going to be a close game either way. I think if I look at the box score, if Rockwall wins, uh, I think one of two things will happen. Rockwall would blow them out, and I was just dead wrong about it, which you know does happen every now and then, uh, or Rockwall significantly won the special teams and turnover battle. I don't see Prosper losing the special teams and, and turnover battle consistently, uh, so I'll put my money on Prosper to win a very hard fought, like a 24-21 kind of game. See, I agree with you on that one because this is the first time Rock will be going up against an experienced quarterback uh, that has had some games under his belt. And Harrison Rosar started all last year. And this last week he threw 350 yards uh, with several touchdowns. So I think Prosper will pull this one out myself. But that's just me seeing Rockwell uh not move the ball great against, I mean, not the way I'd like to see him move it against Cedar Hill. And I mean, they still scored 32, but they certainly did something against Jesuit, but let's move on to Plano East, a team you seem to know something about, and they're taking on Rock Hill, who is one and one, but they got a nice win over Timber Creek. They're at least getting into a game 
against an undefeated Panthers team, an undefeated Panthers team that's got all kinds of momentum going their way. The undefeated Plano East Panthers. And this is a fun team to watch. I mean, you know, the thing that I see, and this is why I was kind of hammering on Lovejoy a little bit earlier, uh, when I saw Lovejoy playing and then I see Plano East play, you know, six days later, Plano East does not have the athletes that Lovejoy has. I mean, just straight down the road, but they are playing like a team. It is a family unit. Uh, it is everybody, you know, selling out for each other. It, it is hard-nosed, gritty kind of a football team. It's not to say Plano East doesn't have some athletes. they got some pretty good players over there, uh, but the depth isn't there. You know, you would think a 5AD2 team versus one of the biggest schools in the state. Uh, that you wouldn't be talking about depth, but depth is a little bit of an issue. Lovejoy is becoming an aspirational community. People move to Lovejoy to play there. People want to go there. You know, if, if people are looking at moving to the area from out of state and they're looking at Allen because Allen gets everybody's attention and they kind of see what's going on in Allen, or you can just look right down the road, uh, just drive down McDermott a little bit, and all of a sudden you got this really neat community in Lovejoy. That's becoming a very you know desirable option for a lot of people. Uh, moving in. I mean, their quarterback Hagel moved in from California, if I remember right, a couple of years ago, uh, and then, you know, backed up last year and earned the position this year. Uh, so Plano East has been a fun team to watch, but Rock Hill is kind of the same way. Their quarterback is really good. Uh, they had, in my opinion, one of the best wins in the area last week against uh, Timber Creek. I think the computer poll had them about a three to four touchdown uh, underdog to Timber Creek, and then all of a sudden uh, they beat them by 25 or something crazy like that. So it kind of cast its versions on how good Timber Creek is going to be and how good this is. And we talk about calibration, and, and this is kind of how everything kind of connects with the, the Plano East puzzle piece right in the middle. Who's Timber Creek playing this week? Coppell. And that kind of gets us back to uh, 6-6-A calibration and, and how all these teams are looking. The only two undefeated teams left in 6-6-A are Coppell and Plano East. Uh, Plano East is is down seven starters right now. They're, they're dealing with injury bugs. Uh, depth is a bit of an issue, but they are all playing hard, uh, playing together. I think that they're going to have another one-score win over Rock Hill. This team is learning how to win those games in the trenches. It's fun football to watch uh, because you, you see those intangibles you haven't seen in, in, in East Plano in a couple of years. I threw out the stat on Twitter, which made me cry as I was researching it, uh, that Plano East had not won a home game at Kimbrough in three years, since 2019. Uh, and until they beat Naaman Forest. And by all, you know, I, I said last week on the show, that would be an upset, but I thought Plano East would would be that team uh, and, and upset uh, Naaman Forest. The Naaman Forest looked good. Uh, D'Angelo Perales, I think he is, you know, on pace to maybe be an MVP in District 9 6A. Uh, I think, you know, Naaman Forest is going to be fine. Uh, that That's not all they lost to Plano East. It's, you know, you know, doom and gloom for Naaman Forest. I think it's speaking of Plano East and how good they're showing up. And same thing with Rock Hill. It's going to be a fun game, but I think my Panthers will pull it out uh, by a score. Uh, and if and if if they can kind of run them out of the building, I think that kind of momentum would be great before nine uh, before six six a starts. Uh, but I think Rock Hill, they're just too well coached and. Uh, got too much going on. That Prosper ISD way, uh, it, it's trickling over to the Rock Hill and maybe Walnut Grove or Walnut Creek or whatever mm -hmm. they call the third one over there. 
you're going to expect the same things out of them. Uh, so uh, Rock Hill will not be an easy win, and I could definitely see Rock Hill winning this game and it really meaning nothing for Plano East. But that just really speaks uh, so highly to that 5-6A district and, and how strong it is. And I think things have kind of gotten compressed at the bottom now. If you remember, we talked about the campfire. I thought the district was six strong, and now I think it's kind of four strong with McKinney kind of number five. But I think McKinney, Boyd, Little Elm, and – uh, and Rock Hill are a lot closer than I had thought now that I've seen some game data. Uh, I think Rock Hill could beat McKinney Boyd right now, and I think they probably will if uh, McKinney Boyd doesn't get this figured out. And if McKinney has an off game or something like that, Rock Hill or Little Elm. Little Elm is just one of those teams that sticks around. Uh, Coach Castillo is doing great things over there. Uh, he, he's teaching them how to come back. They had that big comeback in week one. They were close. Uh, in week two, uh, they should have beat Northwest Eaton, but just couldn't uh, come back. They they keep digging themselves the holes, and uh, eventually you got to learn not to dig yourself the hole and, and just learn how to play that consistently. And I know Coach Castillo is over there teaching that, but uh, it's very interesting. It kind of reminds me of a point I wanted to mention to you as you were clearly – you're being disrespectful at the mouth ward. You didn't even realize it. And I don't want you to go back and edit this out or anything, <laughs> uh, but you had called Denton Geyer a sure D2 team, and most likely they will be because you got Prosper and Allen as as likely teams. But if, if Little Elm and Rock Hill both make the playoffs, Geyer does go D1, as crazy as that sounds. Uh, so these games do matter a little bit, especially when you see chaos uh, in McKinney and McKinney Boyd. So uh, you never know. Uh, I, I wouldn't put I, I'd give it only maybe a 2 to 3% chance, but you're saying, Ward, that there is a chance. If you're telling me that Geyer, Allen, and Prosper won't be in the playoffs, and I will, I will treat you to Salarno's if that happens, and, and we'll, we'll talk over some pasta. But let's move on to some districts that are actually starting district play, and that's 7-6-A, and they start off with a doozy. These two teams both uh, – we I think we both feel they're 1-2 are in that district, and they get to battle right off the bat Highland Park and Lake Highlands. And Highland Park has gotten themselves tested right right off the bat with Marcus and Louisville. And, and Lake and Highlands got two wins as well, but they may have not uh, had the, the best of competitions. They had Flower Mound, which you've dog-cursed uh, dog for a while here, and – so what do you think of this game right off the bat? And, so yeah, and, then, and then the problem is when you start calibrating after that, look at what happened to Mesquite Poteet last week. They lost by 30 to West Mesquite. Right. So all of a sudden you start to really scratch your head about Lake Highlands and digging into that, you know, score, you know, they only won, uh, I think it was like 27 to 17 and they won that, you know, only won that game by 10 and they had four turnovers in that game and they plus three and they just eked out a win. Something is not right at Lake Highlands. And I don't think it has to do with chemistry or these things that we talk about. Lovejoy. Uh, I, I think it has to do with just their they just don't have the athletes this year. You know, Lake Highlands was kind of bad for a little while. And then Lonnie Jordan, you know, they, they got a good class, a couple of good classes came, came in uh, and they got back up. But this might be kind of the downfall of Lake Highlands, uh, not because of anything a coaching staff did or, you know, just sometimes it's about the X's and O's and sometimes it's about the Jimmy's and the Joe's and, and the talent you've got over there. And I think Lake Highlands is just might be having a little bit of a down class or a couple of down classes because uh, what I'm seeing in the, in the scores and what I'm seeing on tape, it just isn't the Lake Highlands of the last couple of years. Uh, and and I want to kind of toot my own horn because Highland Park 
perfectly calibrated with, with Louisville and Marcus. They beat them both by 14, uh, but I have Marcus over Louisville, and they beat Marcus by 14 at home, went to Louisville and beat them by exactly the same amount, but on the road. So I kind of give Marcus just a little bit of an edge because they, they, got, they lost by the same amount, but at home versus uh, being at home. Uh, so that, that that perfectly calibrated for what I expect out of uh, District 66A with Marcus 1 and Louisville 2. I think Highland Park is going to completely run Lake Highlands out of the building. I think this game is done at halftime, and we're kind of in Denton Geyer management mode in the second half. I know Highland Park's going to have a couple extra things of motivation. Obviously, uh, Randy Allen's going for second place in all times, wins by himself. It's tied with G.A. Moore. And they tell me Mr. Matthew Stafford will be standing on the sidelines uh, this Friday night as well as they play. The Rams play Thursday, and he'll be in town Friday on his day off to uh, give a try on hats with Randy Allen or something like that. But So they got extra motivation, so now maybe it'll be over after the first quarter instead of the first half. Who knows? Another good one, at least this was a decent game last year, is Richardson against Burtner. Now this year, Burtner's having trouble uh, putting points on the board. Uh, they've they scored, what, 12? 12. Like that. They scored 12 this year so far, and they, they need to get some more. Richardson's 1-1, one one, but that, that one – or no, they're 0-2 as well. No, excuse me, I'm looking at Pierce. Richardson pulled off a win against uh, Frisco uh, – Dallas Adams last week as they lost – they got shut out by Centennial earlier. But Berkner and Richardson, it's one of those you toss the records out, man. It's, it's, it's a nice little rivalry game. But Berkner needs to get some points on the board uh, this year, and they got to get that offense going. And this, what better chance than right here in the rivalry game against Richardson? Yeah, a huge game for for many reasons, and and one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about it is because now that we're in these nine team districts, when you have these very top heavy districts, this is a de facto elimination game, and I don't feel bad about the loser of this game is not making the playoffs. I mean, you can just throw that out there. Week three, it, it, it is like that. And if they're not approaching it with that kind of urgency, I don't know what's going on in their coaching rooms because to me, you got to win this game if, if you're going to make the, if you're going to get to that four seed. Uh, we saw Irving MacArthur kind of come back a little bit down to earth uh, this past week against LD Bell. Uh, and now you got Berkner and uh, Richardson. And you, know, you might have seen me kind of talk about this on Twitter uh, a little bit. I was at the McKinney Temple game. I know you guys had some cameras out there for the THSCA Strong. You know, a little, little clinic kickoff out there, yep. kickoff classic and all of that. Uh, and that was the uh, Saturday game was McKinney and Temple. Well, McKinney and Berkner played this week. And uh, so Coach Bryant was up there in the press box. And it's generally not nice for a, for a sports writer like me to call a coach out. And I was like, Coach Bryant, I don't like that you picked – I don't <laughs> like that you scheduled McKinney. And, you know, he's like, well, you know, you know. What do you know, Diggs? You don't know a, you don't you know anything about all this. And I was like, ah, I just 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 for me, I I'd like to get a, a little bit of a more competitive game to get ready for district because it's so middle heavy in this district. And you know, he just kind of smiled at me and then said, you know, Diggs, I know what I'm doing. You know, I Shavers and my buddy, we're we're we're, we're going to get better out of this game. And and I if if he's right, they're going to win this game. Uh, and and I liked how Richardson scheduled it. You know, uh, the, if you looked at their first week, you'd be like all oh, doom and gloom. But now they're feeling good after uh, beating Adams in that in that that second week. Uh, but I just think Richardson Berkner is going to have more talent on the field in this game. 
Uh, I would be shocked if Berkner loses this game. I don't think it's going to be easy by any means, uh, but I think Berkner is going to win, uh, you know, maybe a, a 31 to 24 kind of game. Well, before we head into district play in 86A, we got another monster matchup. It's our game of the week. Uh, Arlington Martin is hosting Allen at Choctaw Stadium. Allen uh, dusted off their beatdown they took from Bosco, which any team probably in the nation would have taken. And they introduced Kavion Sibley to the world as he went, went wild with over 200 yards, four touchdowns in that game. And Martin, as we said in, in the podcast last week, uh, we probably aren't working to learn much about him in the Cedar Hill game because Cedar Hill is, is, is so down. But we will learn something about him in this game. And I would love to hear your opinion on how this one might turn out. Yeah, I, I, the, the thing with Arlington Martin is that they've had two weeks where if you look at it just on face value, you think to yourself, OK, you know, you beat Lake Travis. Uh, you know, that's a solid one to get started. Then not only did they beat Cedar Hill, they pretty much beat, you know, they beat them down. But one thing, if you look at Arlington Martin over the last, you know, five to seven years, when they are a better team than the other team, they'll 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 put up some scores. You know, there are some scores that'll be a little bit misleading because uh, Arlington Martin they try different things. They don't necessarily put the brakes on early. Different coaches have different styles with that. And I'm not saying Wager runs up the score by any means, but you know where he his threshold to pull off the trigger is just different than other teams. So you'll see some kind of lopsided scores when uh, Arlington Martin is a significantly better team than uh, that versus a Carroll. Carroll just manages things a little bit different. Allen even manages things a little bit different. They, they got all this depth and they got to get all these players in. So, you know, things start to get their, go their way. You know, they'll, they'll pull the brakes off pretty quickly and, and get some threes and fours in there because their, their roster is that big. Uh, so I think a lot of people are going to look at this and kind of immediately go, well, Martin's got the resume to where you would think Martin is going to beat Allen. But the Cedar Hill game is misleading, in my opinion, and the Lake Travis game is misleading, in my opinion. Because not only did Lake Travis not have their uh, quarterback in, in Bo Edmondson, their best receiver now had to become quarterback. So that takes away your, uh, your best wide receiver as well. So really, Lake Travis was down two of their best offensive players, and they still put up 31 points. And Arlington Martin still had a special teams play go their way in that game. I think Allen is going to beat him. I think Allen might beat him by two scores. I think Allen is just a better team. People are kind of sleeping on them because of the of the Bosco thing. Uh, but they they kind of put it to King this past week. And when you look at that district and everybody that King plays, uh, you know they got what, North Shore and Summer Creek and Tascosita, yeah, yeah in that district. You know so. That is Allen. You know, Allen lost to Atascacita last year, and King and Atascacita are very similar teams. This year, Allen wins that game going away. Uh, that, to me, speaks more about where Allen is at and maybe where Bosco is at. And, and But even look at DeSoto and St. Francis Academy. These teams are just getting rolled. Really good Texas teams are get, getting beat badly, and people are thinking, well, you know, you might be down on this team. Now these are really good teams, and Allen's a really good team, and I think Allen is going to make a statement against Arlington Martin this week. Well, it'll certainly be a fun game, uh, but before they make the statement, we put together just a promo the show a little bit. We have a story on Javian Taviano and his best friend, Gage Wager, and how they have started a lawn mowing business back when they were 13 years old, and it has prospered into eight to ten different customers, and it's just an interesting, it's another interesting look at, at the NIL deal because 
Taviano is looking at five, six figures in an NIL deal somewhere down the line, and yet he still doesn't hit snooze on that 8 a.m. alarm where it, it, it sends him out into 100-degree Texas heat to mow lawns. He still has no worries about servicing other people. It just it shows what he is as a leader and as a hard worker and, and a man of his, of his character. I, I really enjoyed putting that one together. So that'll be a good one to see. Another district that we're talking about that is starting district play right now is 9-6-A. And I'm going to flip it back to where you talked about the Richardson and, and Berkner game. Garland is North Garland. I mean, you got to get at it right now, right? You got to get at it with, with, with not knowing what this district is all about. I, I didn't see much of anything in the non-district as far as, hey, this team has really stood out to me. So when district play starts, let's go. I mean, you got to get at it. You have no time to be, you know, messing around. And I think that's the case for North Garland and Garland uh, in, in this game coming up. Yeah, I mean, if you remember last week, you know, I, I, I was making fun of myself on Twitter this past week uh, with, with the Undertaker meme of, with, with Garland because we pretty much just wrote, wrote Garland off yeah. after they lost to McKinney North. Like, oh, goodbye. And then all of a sudden, McKinney North beats Justin Northwest pretty convincingly as well. And then Garland uh, bounces back and, and beats a, a what we consider to be a playoff team in Birdville. Now all of a sudden, Garland, you know, opens the the coffin up and sits up and says, we're back. We, you know, you know, we might've lost some of our big players, but we also had a lot coming back. And we also learned how to win last year. And uh, winning is kind of an intangible that you, you know, kind of builds upon itself. Uh, I think Garland is going to win this game against North Garland. Uh, North Gar- and North Garland has even looked better than I thought. I, th- I thought them losing their coach and, you know, I, I know they got their quarterback coming back and a couple of key players, but they just didn't have the depth to me to reload and and so this, again this is a fascinating game i think it's basically an elimination game as well uh, there's just too much good too many good teams in this district to where you go zero and one against one of these teams and then you have to overcome a tiebreaker so not only you got to hope they lose one and then you got to win one that you're not expected to win i think it's a de facto elimination game and i think garland will make a statement again this week uh and i apologize to the owls for writing them off i mean losing the legacy the way they did in, in the playoffs last week and then for last year and then losing to McKinney North uh, the way they did. I, I was done with Garland and obviously the, the men in that locker room were not and they had a statement to make and they made that statement this week. Garland, big fan of those owls. So good on them. They proved me wrong. There you go. And I think of any of these districts, uh, 9-6-A is definitely thirsty to get into district play. Uh, that each of the nine teams had two district games, 18, 18 games. They, they picked up seven wins out of those 18, and two of them were by Wiley East. So they are hungry to to start fighting each other and get some really quality wins that mean something. Let's We are going to move to Melissa against Roy City. Uh, Melissa's gotten out of the gates a little slower than you'd like, but Roy City sure has it. Talk about this game and what you think of it. Yeah, Roy City has really jumped up on the radar in 10-6A. You know, we, we talked about them in the campfire as a team that I thought, you know, might be there. I picked them fifth ultimately, and I was like, well, you know, I think they'll be right there in, in, the, in that three-pack uh, for the third playoff spot. And 
and they're very hungry, and, and this is one of their best talent groups as well. Uh, I thought going up from 5A D2 would be a little too much for them uh, to go into 6A, especially with Rockwall and Rockwall Heath being as good as they are. Uh, and Mesquite Horn and Mesquite Horn is 2-0 as well. So, I mean, uh, the Mesquite Horn has done nothing to lose its resume as a team that I thought would be good. And then you have Mesquite, who is uh, playing good football as well. Uh, you know, they, they've won a close one and they lost a close one. Uh, and then North Forty even had a big win against Rowlett. Uh, I, I was worried after I saw what North Forney did to uh, Rowlett. I was like, oh, Plano East has no chance in that. And all of a sudden, you know, Plano East took care of business. But North Forney, uh, it, there's going to be some very good competitive games. Uh, the bottom of this district has gotten better. And that's what you want to see. You want to see competitiveness at the bottom of the district. Uh, and that pushes the teams at the top to be better as well. Uh, so I think that uh, Roy City, uh, Melissa, tough luck loss to China Spring, uh, and then Argyle completely ran them out of the building. But that loss doesn't look as bad anymore, given what they did to Lovejoy uh, the next week. Uh, but I think Roy City uh, will beat Melissa by by 10 to 14. I think Roy City's running attack is just that much better. And we saw what Argyle's running attack did to uh, Lovejoy and subsequently Melissa. I think Roy City has the offensive line and, and the, and the running back that can uh, put kind of shove it down Melissa's, uh, off, off or defensive line. I know your guy Nigel Smith leads that defensive line, but he needs some help. Somebody's got to help him over there, uh, and they got to help. They got to they got to step up. Uh, but again, for Melissa, this could be a statement win to kind of turn it back around. So I know Melissa's definitely not writing this off. But what does China Spring do? They run the football as well. Roy City is kind of they can do both or a hybrid team. Uh, but their running back is I think at 260 yards this past week. Uh, so you know they can pound it on the ground pretty well. Uh, Roy City is one of my biggest surprises. I thought they I thought they had a chance to be good. I didn't realize how good they were going to be. Uh, that 56 nothing win over Grand Prairie still stands out to me. Yeah, they've, they've scored over 100 points these uh, first two games, but you weren't a big fan of them playing Melissa because they're a 5A team. Are you still standing on that? You're still not happy with this, uh, Mark? Especially yeah, now Melissa's coming into this game uh, pretty <laughs> angry, too. So if they pull off that upset, you know, it would really be a bad loss for Royce, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I, I, I cheated Royce City out of two points. It was 58 nothing that they beat Prairie. I did that on Twitter, too, but I, at least I remembered this time out. It's 58 nothing, not 56 nothing. But, yeah, this Royce City really has nothing to, to win by this game. They beat Melissa. Well, you're supposed to. They're a 5AD2 school. If for whatever reason, Melissa, which you mentioned, is angry and has every motivation – they get it together. They get the defensive line. Maybe they had an injury or two we we're unaware of or uh, a depth issue, and all of a sudden that's resolved and they come out. Because uh, Melissa's done that a couple of times. They've started out – I think last year they started out – got their butts whooped the first couple of games, and all of a sudden they figured it out after, you know, two games. Uh, so if all of a sudden they come out here and beat Roy City, what does Roy City really gain from that? They, they lose their confidence. They lose their swagger. Yeah. And they lose a game. So I, I still stand by my statement. I don't think Roy City should have scheduled this game. It's really a no-win situation for them. And if they did schedule, maybe schedule week one so that it wouldn't take away everything you did from the first two weeks with the loss here. Uh, last week, I tossed you a whole bunch of flowers for your Lake, Lake Ridge, for your Lake Ridge prediction about them being the fourth team to make it in the playoffs. And they came up with a very impressive blowout win of Summit. And then they turn right around and lose by three touchdowns to Boswell. They have Heath, who is now, you know, they didn't start off well. Of course, they were playing Geyer. Now they get a 30-point win against Tritty. 
your thoughts on this game and your thoughts on the up and down play here at Lake Ridge. Yeah, I, I don't think it's up and down play by any means. I, I think of one thing, and, and I, we talked about this on the campfire as well, and I think you were looking at me a little cross-eyed when we were talking about it. Uh, Summit is just down. And then when you look at what Mansfield did to uh, Summit last week as well, uh, that just kind of shows that Lake Ridge is who they are. We just put too much stock into Summit at the end right. of the day. Uh, and we didn't put enough stock into Boswell. But I think Lake Ridge played where they were supposed to play. Uh, we just didn't realize where that it was. So I don't, I don't think it's an up and down thing for Lake Ridge. I just think we, as the media, are figuring out where Lake Ridge fits. Right. We, we got too excited about them against Summit. And we, did, we didn't give Boswell enough credit for beating Saginaw the way they did. Uh, and we knew Boswell was going to be a good team this year. We just kind of underestimated them. We overestimated Summit. It was just a perfect storm. And Summit uh, and, 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 and Boswell took care of Lake Ridge in, in the way. And I think Heath is going to take care of Lake Ridge uh, similarly to the way they took care of Euless Trinity. Uh, Lake Ridge is a better team. Uh, you know, I think Lake Ridge is still better than Cedar Hill, for instance. Uh, but again, from what you've said, that might not be as impressive as it sounds on, at face value because Cedar Hill is down. Uh, Lake Ridge still is very young. I mean, we're talking about a team with a sophomore uh, quarterback and a freshman who rotates in at running back at times. Uh, so, I mean, in, in 6A, where we're talking about good depth, uh, you you know, that's that's suboptimal, but it does speak highly to the talent that they've got coming back. Whereas Rockwell Heath, they've got some, you know, receivers for weeks. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, they're a little bit below Lovejoy and Byron Nelson, but they're not too far below the, those two teams. I, I don't know. We, we didn't we never made our scale of of calendars and days and which ways we'll go. But uh, Rockwell Heath has a, a good set of receivers. They've got a great offensive line, great defensive line, I think. And, and they've got a lot of senior leadership. they got a lot of good junior players to complement that. I think Rockwell Heath will beat Lake Ridge by 28. And I think it's going to still come down to Lake Ridge against Mansfield, uh, a rivalry game for that last playoff spot in that District 11 6A. Yeah, I agree with that. Speaking of 11 6 a, I got a bone to pick with Claude Mathis. Why will he not? Why won't you play games on Friday so I can get you on the highlights of the show? Yet another Saturday game against Sock uh, that'll be going on while we are live on air. Um, talk about that game, and we talked a little. We've talked at nauseum about Sock. Talk about what Desoto can bring to the table here, and will they continue? Will they add to the Blues of Jason Todd and the Golden Bears? Well, if we're gonna pick bones, I'm gonna pick a bone with you because. Okay. Uh, with you and your production value here, because uh, I remember at about five twelve. Oh, we're on at five o'clock. Why well, don't just turn it on? We're in the we're in college football. Everything's in the third quarter, so I, I popped it on. I even got my I got my phone out, and I was gonna like record my little piece where you you know I get I get like two words from Pat Doney. I was very excited about this. I was gonna tape it and all that. And like y'all just went straight to the plays of the week and just cut you out, man. Nothing. You didn't, you didn't even you didn't even give Ted Madden some love. You, I mean, can, I, you can blame Todd Rogers for that. If he didn't have a fifty six forty nine game, I wouldn't have to cut all that stuff at the back. Cut of that show. stuff out for me, man. I I, I need my I two words from Pat Loney for my self esteem in this world, and and I'm sure Ted is the same way. You know, now that he's more of a uh, of a eight to five guy over at Mesquite ISD, gotta give us our love, our uh, media. All I know is the lovely Miss Diggs called and said to please stop putting you on TV. She's having trouble getting your shirts over your head because it's getting bigger and bigger every time you see everything going on with you on TV. 
So I had to cut you loose this week just to put you back in your place. Well, I, I appreciate that. But all, all, all this anger and editing and you're mad at Mathis and I'm mad at you and DeSoto is mad at their scheduling for picking St. Francis Academy and Sock is mad. There's a lot of anger going on in this game. And I think this is going to be a good old-fashioned dogfight. But for me, I don't think Sock is going to get it figured out in one week. I, I think the problems they have are a little deeper than just, uh, we just need to work on this and work on that. Uh, but DeSoto, uh, you know, I, I was watching that the highlights of that St. Francis Academy, and DeSoto looked like just little kids out there. And I and you watch them play just about everybody else in the world, and they look like the little kids, uh, whoever DeSoto is playing. And then all of a sudden, that Maryland team comes in here, and DeSoto just looks like they shrank. I was like, honey, I shrank my football team. Uh, but that's just everything to do with the St. Francis Academy, nothing to do with DeSoto. I think DeSoto is going to take out their anger. I'm going to take out my anger on you and DMs, and DeSoto is going to take out their anger on on South Oak Cliff. I think DeSoto might win this game like 35 to 3 or something. Then we're going to have to have the talk about Duncanville versus DeSoto with the South Oak Cliff calibration. Yeah, there will be a calibration there, but what can you say about St. Francis? Crab cakes in football, that's what Maryland does, is what I heard. And that's what they did. Just one team. Exactly. One all-star team. Exactly, exactly. Uh, we have Alito visiting uh, Justin Northwest on Thursday night. Alito it took one on the chin to Geyer. It took one on the chin to Paris Episcopal. Now they got Justin Northwest. I don't assume they're going to lose that one. I think they'll probably get one in the win column there. But it should be interesting to see if they can get district playoff started off right for them. Yeah, I mean, we talked about Justin Northwest and McKinney North have had quite the rivalry over the last – I think I saw that they played for six years now. This might have been year seven of that rivalry, Fetchy and the quarterback or the maybe yeah, you're talking cool. about how yeah. good friends they were last week and uh and and how those two teams have just been good rivals. They've played good non district games. Uh, and McKinney North, it's like we don't know how good McKinney North is and we don't know how good that seven five A is quite yet because Lancaster's winning, Lufkin's winning, McKinney North is winning, Forney is winning, North Mesquite is better than we thought. That's going to be its own fun district. Burleson Centennial, we were getting a little yeah. bit excited about them until uh, McKinney North came along and, and kind of frustrated the party. And Alito, we just don't know anything about Alito at this point where we're like, well, you know, uh, what can Alito do over uh, the course of a game? I think I need to go watch this game more. I, I think it's, you know, it. I would rather go see uh, Arlington against Fossil Ridge. I think I get better coverage and calibration if I go that well, I gotta go see with my own eyes what's happening in Melito yeah. uh, and, and figure this all out and come share it with everybody here on DFW next week uh, as we're trying to dig for wisdom I think the the, the world would be better if I can answer what's going on in Alito. I saw what was happening in Lovejoy. You got my input on that. I got to answer the question with Alito. If Alito wins this game close, you got to be very concerned about Alito. If they win this game going away, okay, maybe Alito is back. Maybe things are going to be okay. Uh, but uh, I, I think fans are expecting – this is how good Alito is. That fans are kind of thinking like I, I am. If Alito can't blow out Justin Northwest – what is Alito this year? And I know Justin Northwest is not going to take lightly to that disrespect of the mouth. I'm not saying that. They are just Northwest fans. That's Alito saying that. I'm not saying it. Listen to them. Uh, but uh, 
Yeah, so I, I need to go check that out. I think Alito takes it going away, and they're going to bounce back in, in a good way uh, and start to find their footing. In a 19 district, you kind of talked about with Garland Ward, uh, how it's kind of a good thing. And I think for now, for Denton Ryan, who got their game canceled, uh, and Alito, I think that it's going to be good to get their footing and, and to start to get that confidence and build the little things uh, before their eventual big game. Uh, but what about Burleson Centennial? They're going to be right there. And Burleson Centennial, I think, is going to give both teams uh, holy hell this year. Uh, they are a very good team. And I heard their quarterback got ejected in the second quarter, and they still beat Frisco just going away. Agreed. Yeah, you're right. And you gotta can't pay too close attention to what uh, Alito fans are saying because they're apparently getting hit by pieces of the sky that is falling out there and it might knock them around a little bit. Uh, let's talk a little bit about this, uh, this leg belt let, team that you me, love. Let me cut you off. Just one, just okay, one thing. You brought up a great statistic and I just want to kind of one up you on it, but you talked about nine, six, and how they only won seven games in non-district. How about three, five, a division one, we call this the district of doom. They only right. won four games in non-district. Yikes. That, that's okay. not good. That's more of a telling stat right there. Oh, goodness gracious. All right, let's talk about Lake Belton in Red Oak. Uh, that one seems to be a nice matchup coming up, and I know how much you love Lake Belton, so let us hear about it. Yeah, Lake Belton, I, I, I feel like I've had the good and the bad. You know, their first week against Leander Rouse, they completely came out and, and blew them out. And this is a Leander Rouse team that had made it to the third round, lost to Liberty Hill. Then last week they played Buddha Johnson and – Really, you know, it was, you know, they, they were up the whole time. It kind of got a little closer late in the game. So I kind of lowered Lake Belton. I actually dropped Lake Belton one spot in my playoffs or uh, in my uh, rankings. I put Burleson Centennial ahead of them. And Red Oak, Red Oak hasn't really done anything either uh, of any sort of note, but Arlington Seguin has just been a team that's kind of stuck around. And, you know, they did it to Midlothian and, uh, you know, they just kind of stick around in these games. Uh, so where, where's Red Oak and all of this? And then Red Oak and the Colony, uh, you know, the, the Colony just, they didn't just blow them out. I think Blake Belton is finally going to make their message. Uh, you know, I was trying to get you to go out and see this game, Ward. You know, a Friday night game, you can go out there and get, get some Central Texas footage for our, our fledgling uh, Waco Inside High School sports show that we're going to do down the yeah. Super Syntex region. But Super Syntex. Think, think you told me off when when I when I floated that idea out at our all hands meeting. Uh, I think Lake Belton should take care of Red Oak pretty handily. Uh, if if Red Oak keeps this closer, I think Lake Belton's going to struggle in this district. Uh, but if Lake Belton does what I expect them to do, win this game by three or four scores, I think uh, Red Oak is really going to be battling those Colleen schools for, to to even make it into the playoffs. Uh, I'm not sold on Red Oak. I know a lot of people are sold on Red Oak this year. Uh, and looking at them two and zero. Uh, you know, it, it looks good, but I'm a little, you know, I'm a little less than infu uh, impressed at their non-district, uh, the way they won those two games. Uh, and again, we talked about kind of the district uh, schedules and the strengths. Uh, this team, you know, five teams are 2-0, and oh, three teams are 1-1, one and one, and only Cleburne at 0-2. Oh uh, so all of these teams are going into non or going into district knowing how to win. So it's going to be fun football. 2-0 uh, and o Lake Belton against 2-0 and o Red Oak. Uh, sounds a lot better than 0-2 Alito against 1-1 one one Justin Northwest, that's for sure. It does, doesn't it? It absolutely does. All right, let's head up to the Frisco districts, and we have a good one with Lone Star against Reedy. Uh, that one that one always goes down to some good stuff there with Coach Cole going up against Coach Rayburn. What do you think is going to happen in this time, this time around? 
Yeah, I mean, you look at Frisco Lone Star, all of a sudden that game against Texas High where they, they won over in Arlington looks much better, especially considering Colleyville Heritage and Colleyville Heritage. And we talked about this last week going out to Brim Stadium in Texarkana. It's a hard feat, but again, you got to do that in the playoffs. Uh, and there's going to be some fantastic calibration games as far as that goes with Argyle and Grapevine, and we'll get there in a little bit. Reedy has definitely overachieved. Uh, you know, we talked about them being that fourth team in this district uh, with Frisco Liberty. We kind of thought that they might be it, and then, you know, they kind of just fell apart. And now they may not – they may go 0-10. I feel like they went 0-10 for a while, had a couple good years, and then they're just going right back to 0-10. And uh, Frisco Reedy has just – Dumped everybody they played. I mean, beating Denison the way they did last week completely got my attention. I'm um, beating Azel the week before. Or, I mean, they're just looking fantastic. Uh, Lone Star beating Burleson the way they did doesn't really, uh, you know, they, they take care of business over there and they've got a, their quarterback. They got to figure that situation out with, with injuries and whatnot. I think Reedy has a really good chance to uh, pull an upset. Uh, but Lone Star, they just know how to win these games. They know how to win Frisco ISD games. Uh, Coach Rayburn over there, you know, he he will have something, a package ready to go that Reedy is not going to be ready for. Uh, I think Lone Star is going to win this game, but I one to three points. I think it's going to be a back to forth, back and forth affair. Uh, now, if Reedy, you know, if Reedy wins this game, I think they'll blow them out. You know, I think they're going to they'll have to get up by like two or three touchdowns and hang on. And I just don't see Reedy doing that. I think Lone Star uh, will win a a close game late. What do you think about Lone Star this year? Could this be a, they're now in an all Frisco district. So you, you think this is kind of a year where because they got Reedy now and then the open week, then they have Wakeland and then they probably won't be have many competitive games the rest of the way. I was just kind of a deal where they go out, they get to a district title. Not many people are talking about Rayburn and his squad. And then, and then they do something in the playoffs or because they weren't tested, maybe they get stuck up in the playoffs. Yeah, when they play Frisco Sherman right there in that Frisco ISD, all all Frisco ISD district, I'm throwing you under the bus. I could I throw myself under the bus all the time, Lord. I make fun of myself on Twitter. Uh, but uh, your point is exactly you're right. And when you look at District Seven Five A right down the road, uh, and and you realize that you got Timberview, which is now uh, some somebody's ranked them top five in the state. Uh, you've got you know all these teams in Seven Five A who we know Longview and Lancaster is probably going to come out of that. But is it going to be McKinney North? Is it going to be Lufkin? Is it going to be Forney? Is it going to be North Mesquite? I mean, even West Mesquite this week made a a case the way they beat uh, Mesquite Poteet. I see the way you're looking at me, Ward, and, and I know they can't see this on the podcast, but I can see it. And you, you better take that anger out of your eyes, sir. I'm getting angry. I, I, I know where you live. Uh, and, and then you got 85A, which I know is your backyard over there, some of those Houston teams. I don't think it's going to be Lone Star's year by any means, uh, but but I think they will become. They're going to be a hard out, just like they are. But I mean, I think of how Lone Star played against College Station, and yeah, you know, once they play somebody good in the playoffs, I think you know whether it's a Port Arthur Memorial or Crosby or a Longview or a Lancaster, I, I don't see them uh, competing very very strongly against that. Now maybe they get the quarterback situation worked out a little bit and. and Maybe, but I just don't see this Lone Star team having the depth or, or the playmakers to really take it to that next level, especially when you, we talk about playmakers for days. Uh, when some of these teams like Longview uh, and, and Lancaster, they got playmakers for days. And, and 
who, who's going to be that player for Lone Star if you need that 85-yard hook and lateral, even if you call for it an hour ago? Can Lone Star, does Lone Star have that receiver who can do it? I don't see him on the roster right now. Well, listen to me, Diggs. When you have eight Frisco teams and one team that's not district, not a Frisco team, it's a Frisco district. I don't care what you say. Same thing with Houston ISD. They got eight teams, Houston ISD, and then they threw Galveston Ball in there. That's a Houston ISD district. I don't want to fight you on this, but that's the way it is. All right? Sherman is stuck in a Frisco district. That's the way it is. All right, let's move on there, guy. We're having a Twitter fight right here Twitter on fight, verbally, verbally on this deal. Argyle versus Grapevine, we got two 2-0 teams. Uh, when I talked to Coach Rogers, he didn't want to talk about the Lovejoy game much anymore. And when I talked to him Saturday morning, he's already re- he was there at four, 7 in the morning getting ready for Grapevine uh, that they play this coming Friday, who's also undefeated. And they've done some things that you, you didn't predict at the beginning of the year. You certainly didn't predict them to slap around Wakeland, but you did, Hazel. I think a lot, both of us did there. But Home game against Argyle. I still think Argyle probably wins by a couple of touchdowns, but this could be a good way to see where where we really are with Grapevine. Yeah, I'm afraid to pick against Argyle at this point. You know, it's like kind of the LD Bell syndrome where I keep picking against LD Bell and they keep making me look dumb and then dumber. It's like at some point I have to like say, okay, I'm I'm a professor. I got to quit picking against these teams that make me look dumb. Our, to me, Grapevine is a favorite over Argyle. And if Argyle would have lost to Lovejoy uh, by a couple of touchdowns, like I thought it would happen when I was telling you, you know, uh, make sure you get over there in time before you watch Lovejoy, uh, you know, throwing them in the – get the third-teamers out there, and then Argyle wins that game. You know, now we're going to have, like, the Spider-Man meme where Argyle and Grapevine are both pointing at each other with their – prolific running games and ability to have two or three uh, running backs go up for 200 or 300 yards and have a passing game if you need it at times. Uh, To me, this game is on upset watch. I think Argyle, again, I'm just convinced that Lovejoy is some sort of internal implosion is going on and they're not as bad as it looks. Uh, Therefore, Argyle isn't as good as it looks by having beat them. But again, as Ric Flair once said, to be the man, you got to beat the man. And Argyle just beat the brakes off the man. And this is a team that has continually won football games. Todd Rogers has continually coached up and won games he's not expected to win. And Grapevine, you know, they just got that big signature win against Frisco Wakeland. This is another chance for them to look good and to assert themselves on the regional and the, the state stage. This is a good game, good chance for Grapevine to do it. If Argyle wins, I think it'll be close. Uh, I'll, I'll pick, you know, Argyle to win by one because I, I think that Grapevine, you know, it, it'll be a situation where Grapevine goes for two and doesn't get it or something. Uh, I mean, our, Grapevine really, on paper, is a better team than Argyle, but I, Argyle will figure it out. Flower Mound, Argyle, an all-Flower Mound district. Yeah, right yeah. all-Flower Mound district, right? Daggummit. Frisco District really got me thrown off here, Diggsy. All right, last game we want to talk about is Ennis against Colleyville Heritage. Diggs, what is happening at Ennis? They they've gotten twelve points this entire year, and two of them were a gift on a on a, a snap over the head of the punter. Why can they not score points? What is going on with the Lions? Uh, is this going to be signs of what's going to happen throughout the year, or what's going on? I think you you called it out. I mean, like I, I kind of called out Lovejoy, and I, I felt like you know there's some intangible that's not there. You you left that you left that Ennis walk the Hatchie game going. You know the body language did not speak yeah. well. You know the coaches weren't getting in their face, pulling them. There's something 
was not happening. There might be player leadership. You know, who knows what's going on? Uh, but Ennis has got to get something figured out because they're not playing to the level that I think that on paper, if we're if we if we put the Ennis players and we put all of their uh, you know stats and whatnot on the on the Madden team and we started playing the computer football, Ennis would be playing better than what we're getting out of the the real football team right now. Just twelve points is is unacceptable, even if you're playing Midlothian and you're playing Waxahachie. And now you got a Colleyville Heritage team that just got spanked on the road and who, who has shown good signs. I, I know beating Irving Nimitz is not uh, the end-all, be-all, but still, they've, they've shown – they've got the, the resume as well. I think Colleyville Heritage is going to whip Ennis very similar to what Waxahachie did, uh, maybe a 35-7 to 7 kind of a game. And I think we're going to be asking the same question next week as we start to look at district play getting started in this eight-team district. And we're saying the same thing for Mansfield Summit. What is going on with these teams? I don't know. I mean, we, we thought that, you know, it, Midlothian Heritage would have a chance, but then – that Everman Stephenville game, all of a sudden, I know. See, you called me out yeah, on Twitter, yeah. Ward. This is where the anger is coming from today, telling me that I got something wrong and being right about it. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't like you corrected me when I'm wrong. You don't like being corrected, do you? And, and this is a very good situation to be like what we talked about Cedar Hill last week and Trinity this week for Ennis, where the, the momentum could just roll them right out of this thing. I mean, they lose to Heritage, and then they, of course, can, which they should win. And then an, an Everman team that's playing some very good football before they hit their open week, they could be looking at one and four, and that's not anything that Sam Harrell ever thought he would be be doing at this point. Yeah, and, I mean, Sam Harrell's got skins on the wall, but, you know, yeah. sometimes even you got the best coaches in there, if there's just some sort of chemistry issue, just something not right, uh, whether it's senior leadership or, you know, a conflict where the running back and quarterback are fighting over a girl or something. This stuff happens. I'm not saying that is happening, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just saying these are the kind of things that destroy chemistry within a, a locker room. And all of a sudden, the team is just not as good as you think they would be. Uh, because Ennis does have the talent. And, and very much like you said, Everman is hungry. They're playing that good team ball that we're talking about. You know, they're just coming out fighting for each other overachieving I mean the heartbreak of losing on the last play to Stephenville when they had them down uh, and then you saw them against Haltom just completely beat the brakes off of them Everman is looking really good and playing above their pay grade so it's going to be interesting to see if Ennis because to me Ennis Burleson and Summit are all underachieving and you got Arlen, Arlington Seguin and Everman overachieving there could be some really weird end of year results if this continues to happen in this district Absolutely. And that, that'll do it for the games that we're going to discuss. Uh, maybe you can tell the people where you're going to be at today. We know where you're going to be at Friday. Where You said Alito and Justin Northwest. Is that uh, confirmed? Yeah, I, I haven't contacted my friends at Northwest ISD quite yet because I'm still I'm still debating it. Uh, but I, I know that if I if I emailed them at Thursday at four o'clock, they'd get me in there. I'm, I'm okay. good friends with all those people over there. So I, I, I can let it extend a little bit longer than maybe Keller ISD. They might want to to have a have a or Choctaw Choctaw won't care if I wanted to go see you know like a Thursday game over there they they wouldn't they don't know who I am over there uh and yeah. nor should they care but uh as far as that goes I think probably Alito and uh Northwest Friday got Plano East Rock Hill I'm not going to go the game but I'll probably watch uh DeSoto and Sock on TV on Saturday my guy Mike Leslie is calling that game for Channel 8 uh so he's going to do uh you know they got that WFAA thing over there 
uh, where they do a one game every week or so. So that's always a fun way to, to get an extra game in on TV, especially when it's a Saturday game. Uh, be very interested to see, uh, you know, which sock team comes out, which DeSoto team comes out. Uh, so that, that'll probably be where I'm going. But Ward, I think the world wants to know where you're going and what we've got coming up on this big show. Uh, our, one of our last fully non-district shows. Uh, we'll have a little partial district uh, district play in there. But I, I know, uh, you know, inside high school sports considers them an eight-team district, not a nine-team district. So we're still kind of in non-district over there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I figured out my Friday games for myself. I'm going to do. Uh... A half of Byron Nelson at Denton uh, Braswell, see that new stadium, and then drive over to Prosper to catch the end of the Rockwell Prosper game. So those should be two pretty good games. I'm still up in the air for Thursday, to be honest with you. Uh, my guy James Harris is doing uh, Arlington Foster Ridge and Alito Justin Northwest, and I only need to get to one game Thursday. And so I've got uh, – I'm either thinking of Lovejoy North Crowley or to see North Crowley's new stadium. Or given uh, given Joshua at Fort Worth Southwest a chance, we we don't see those guys much on our airways, and might give them a shot on Thursday night. Yeah, maybe you can if you're if you're looking for a story later on. I know you got your stories in the can. You got the new Crowley ISD Stadium. You got Carico or whatever they call it over there. You can do a do a piece on the new the new 2022 stadiums. And, New stadiums uh, all over the place. Yeah, it's, it's and even Clark over there. If you ended up at Southwest and uh, Joshua, they got some new turf. They've recently remodeled it. I, I saw some of the highlights with Duncanville, the the classic over there, and that that stadium looks great. They did a good job at Fourth ISD. I give them a thumbs up for that turf remodel. Anyway, good, good. That's what I like to hear. I haven't been to haven't been to Clark in a while, so that would be good to get over there if if that's where I so choose to be. Uh, Teddy Madden will be seeing North 40 and North Mesquite and Lakebridge against uh, Heath. And our guy, uh, Pat Doney, will be at the Highland Park game because he wants to see if he can, you know, rub shoulders with Matthew Stafford. You know how he does it. Well, you know, and, it's really Matthew Stafford would want to rub shoulders with Pat Doney. Because exactly. you see those pieces on the Super Bowl where Pat Doney was out there and yep. Randy Allen was out there and, you know. It was it was good journalism by our guy out there doing good stuff, talking about Stafford and that Super Bowl. A lot of shoulder rubbing. And, of course, this Saturday is at 5 o'clock again, and our guy uh, Owen Islands can be there from South Lake Care to get his bobblehead. I think he's about 1,500 yards, 1,600 yards away from breaking Nino Benjamin's record. He's Since they'll probably go 15 rounds in the playoffs, that's, what, 125 yards a game. He ought to be able to do that, I would think, but He's getting his ball hit early. I've got Southlake out at round 18 of the playoffs this year. <laughs> round 18. Round they 18. play uh, the Commanders and then the Mets in 17 and 18, right? Something like that. And we know you're not getting past the Commanders, right? That's true. So only 17 rounds. All right. Well, we're going to have fun. Make sure you guys go out and see some high school football because it's the best around. It's definitely in the best round statewide in, in Texas up here in the north side. So – Dixie, I appreciate you digging for some wisdom with your boy, the Wizard, and we will talk to you all again next week. Bye, y'all.